This morning, I want to just do one thing. I want to do one thing. I want to underscore something so basic but so important to your walk with God and growth as a believer. If you miss this, you are going to struggle growing spiritually. If you capture this, it will catapult your life into accelerated spiritual growth. And really what I just want to do is I want to uh, look at a lot of scriptures. I want to make some observations. And I'm going to look at this from all sorts of different angles, praying that the Holy Spirit will make the connection for you and your life to where you'll understand and you'll go back 2,000 years and you'll understand what Jesus taught about discipleship. One principle. I believe and I'm praying because my journey has been as I've discovered this for my own life over the years, but as it really hit me when I went to Sierra Leone, my response has been, why have I never seen this before? Yeah. And I believe that's going to be the response of a lot of us this morning. How could I be in church all these years and have never seen this before? How can I read my Bible and have never seen this before? Let's begin with the Great Commission. Look at your outlines if you would. The Great Commission is, uh, there are actually five Great Commissions in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then one in Acts, but they're the last words of Jesus really before he ascended. And this is like the most important thing Jesus said to us, his disciples. And I believe we have the scripture right here. So let's read it. I put all the scriptures for you on the screen here today. And I'd like us to read the scripture out loud. Can we do so? Here we go. Ready? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're very familiar with that, but I wonder if you've ever seen a phrase here before, and I want you to underline it right now. Teaching them to obey. Can you repeat that after me? Teaching them to obey. See, this is what Jesus said we were called to do to make disciples. Now, notice, Jesus did not command us to teach others to know. He didn't say that. He said, teach them to obey. There's a huge difference between teaching others to know and teaching others to obey. Huge difference. And for the most part, the American church is great at teaching others to know. And I have to tell you, I, I am, I'm kind of indicting myself here because I'm part of the American church. I am good at teaching others to know. But for the most part, the American church is not good at teaching others to obey. Jesus emphasized obedience-based discipleship. He did not emphasize knowledge-based discipleship. You study the teaching of Jesus, and, and this will become so evident to you, but it has been a miss in the American church. 
for the most part. Here's, uh, I, I just kind of put it into some models for you. This is Jesus' discipleship model, okay, in a very simple formula, if I could, or equation. Knowledge plus obedience is discipleship. Nowhere is Jesus anti-knowledge. Nowhere. Jesus is foreknowledge of God's Word. But knowledge is always to be coupled with obedience. Always in the teaching of Jesus is knowledge to be coupled with obedience. To know and not to do is to not know. To know something and to not do it is to not know it. I mean, how can you say you know how to read your Bible if you don't read your Bible? You do not know how to read your Bible if you're not reading your Bible. How can you say, I know how to pray, and you don't pray? How can you say, I know how to fast, and you don't fast? How can you say, I know how to witness, but you don't witness? It's knowledge, but it is not translated into discipleship. You're a knower, but not a disciple. Wow. That's heavy. You see, if discipleship is just about knowledge, Jesus would have never gathered 12 guys around him. Why would you do that? If discipleship is about knowledge, you get the masses together and you teach them, and you teach them to memorize this and that and the other. Why would Jesus spend his whole ministry with 12 guys and pour into them because he was teaching them to obey? That's the essence of discipleship. Wow. And Jesus would also teach this. Knowledge minus obedience is hypocrisy. That's what he taught. James says knowledge minus obedience is sin. You know, uh, one of my favorite writers is Francis Chan. One of the best books you can read on marriage period, is what he just penned, You and Me Forever. But in this book, there's uh, a really incredible illustration he gives that makes a point that he's just like, <laughs> incredible. He says, I recently read an article about the fattest people on earth, people weighing well over 1,000 pounds, people who are eating themselves to death. At a certain point, they lost their ability to walk. Eventually, they were bedridden and depended on others feeding them because they could no longer even feed themselves. It reminded me of a lot of people I find in the church. They are fed more and more knowledge every week. They attend church services, join small group Bible studies, read Christian books, listen to podcasts, and are convinced they just need more knowledge. Truth is, their biggest need is to do something. They don't need another feast on doctrine. They need exercise. They need to work off what they've already consumed. Some have become so used to consuming the word without applying it that you wonder if they even can. These are the spiritually bedridden resigned to spending the rest of their lives studying the Word without ever making disciples or tangibly caring for others. 
these are the ones about whom James asks, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? We're coming at this in different angles. I want you to think a little bit. As you view yourself, as you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see yourself? You have to be honest here. I'm, I'm trying to get your heart because I'm, I've been having to face my own heart in all this. I'm joining you in a journey. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see yourself as a Christian or do you see yourself as a disciple? I really want you to think about that. When you think about yourself, when you come to church here today, when you go to worship the Lord, do you see yourself as a Christian or do you see yourself as a disciple? Truly, how do you see yourself? It's interesting as I was preparing to, you know, teach this, and I think I've been preparing to teach this for my whole life, I came across an article in the Christian Missionary Alliance uh, magazine, and it was titled, Are You a Christian or a Disciple? I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, Lord, maybe I better read that. And so this author, he's kind of wrestling with the same thing. I think you're entering into my wrestle this morning. So thank you for entering in to where I'm at. And, and this author says, as I thought of myself more as a disciple and less as a Christian, it significantly impacted my spiritual life and my understanding of who I am as a follower of Jesus. He says, Christian, despite our fondness for the word, is not particularly important in the Bible. Twice it shows up as a way for outsiders to refer to Jesus' disciples. The term Christian was given to disciples because they were like Christ. And it was given to them, disciples, by a pagan culture. That's the term Christian. And then it says, one other time, it's used in 1 Peter 4.16, uh, if you would suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Then he says, in comparison, though, to the word Christian, appearing three times only in the Bible, the word disciple appears nearly 300 times. So I ask you, how does God want you to see yourself? Christian or disciple? Both, but especially as a disciple. He goes on to say, When I think of myself as a Christian, I think of myself as mostly needing to grow in knowledge. Yet, when I see myself as a disciple, I find myself primarily needing to grow in application and obedience to the words of Jesus. How do you see yourself? How do you need to be praying in the future for how you see yourself? Let's talk about Jesus' calling of his first disciples. This is powerful because I love this passage because we know the setting where when I take you to Israel, I'm going to bring you to the beach there in Capernaum. I'm going to show you where this took place. We're going to read the scripture there. And I love this passage. Let's, let's read it right now. Can we do it? As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Wow. This is where it all begins. Jesus selecting his 12 guys who would become the model. And, and Jesus' model of discipleship here that we can derive out of this little passage is this. 
By the way, would you take your pen and underline, come follow me? See that? And then would you underline, I will make you. I will make you. Underline that. So out of this, this is Jesus' model of discipleship. Knowledge plus obedience equals transformation. Jesus says, you come, follow me. Follow me. Be obedient to me. And guess what? I'm going to make you. If you do your part by following me, obeying me, I will make you. I will transform you. Knowledge that I'm going to pour into you as you follow me, as you obey these things, will lead to transformation is what he's saying. Isn't that incredible? I think we even have it up there, one of the scriptures. Come, follow me. I will make you. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. But then knowledge minus obedience, stagnation. Not transformation, stagnation. You see, the degree you follow Jesus is the degree you will experience spiritual transformation. If you stop following Jesus, this will stunt your spiritual growth big time. It will slow you down to stagnation. You want to experience ongoing spiritual transformation? It's about following. It's about obeying. It's about implementing. It's about going after Christ in your life tangibly with steps of obedience. Um, when I grew up here at the church, I had a youth pastor named Ron Story. And Ron was just great for all these little quips and sayings. Some of you had Ron as a youth pastor. And Ron would always say, he goes, you know, as Christians, we're all like sponges. And there's two kinds of sponges in the church. There are those who sit and soak, which is important. As a Christian, as even as a disciple, you need to sit and soak. And he goes, there's some Christians that sit and soak and sour. And then there's some Christians that sit and soak and shower. You see, if all you do in your spiritual life as a Christian or as a disciple is sit there and take in knowledge and never give it out, never live out what you're being taught, you will sour. And the church in the United States, <laughs> if you're not obeying what you're being taught, you will sour in your spirit. And there are so many Christians that look like they've been baptized in pickle juice, man. You know what I'm saying? And guess what? That is the result of what's going to happen if we do not live out and obey the Word of God. It'll sour us. Let's look at Jesus, uh, James's teaching on discipleship. And we can see this all over the Bible. I'm just taking you a few places to point out something. And I'm going to tell you a bunch of stories. But listen to what James says. This is so powerful. Again, let's read the Word out loud. Here we go. Ready? Here it's go. Do not merely listen to the Word... And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Okay, let's take this apart. Give you a little equation on discipleship here. Knowledge plus obedience equals blessing. I mean, at the very end of that verse, you can underline it. Not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, 
he will be blessed. That means joy, happiness, fulfillment comes when we hear the word, but we actually do it. That's what brings the blessing. And then we could also say knowledge minus obedience equals deceiving. I mean, look at the very beginning. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Would you underline deceive yourselves? You see, if you and I listen and don't obey, watch this, we trick ourselves. We imagine ourselves to be growing spiritually. We imagine ourselves to be a disciple when in reality, we are just a charade. It's just a sham. We're not disciples. We're just listening to the Word of God and we're not obeying it. We are just tricking ourselves. But here's the problem. We think it's real. That's what deception does. You think you're a disciple. You really are. But you're not. You fooled yourself. Whoosh. It's incredible. Paul's teaching on discipleship. Let's look at Paul for a little bit. And there's so much he teaches, but one verse in particular, 1 Corinthians 8.1. Let's go ahead and read this if we could. And then we're going to come around and make this so applicable here in a second. But uh, look at Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Let's read it out loud. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Okay, let's take that apart. Paul's saying here, knowledge plus obedience, if you really love, that's edification. That'll build you up and others up. In other words, if you obey the knowledge that you receive, it's going to build you up in your life, and through you it's going to build others up. You will be an edifying force for others as well as in your own life. But if it's knowledge minus obedience, it's just going to puff you up. It's going to lead to pride. Knowledge minus obedience leads to pride, spiritual pride, spiritual self-righteousness. Knowledge apart from obedience, man, it leads to full-blown pride. People that know so much about the Bible, but their life knows nothing about the Bible, or very little. What, now, what's the Bible saying? What, what am I trying to bring home to all of us? I, I'm trying to bring home this. Beware of maybe what is the greatest danger of being in the American church. And it's this, knowledge-based discipleship. Never substitute knowledge about God for an obedience-based relationship with God. You've got to guard against this. Even the Apostle Paul, remember what he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1? He said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Follow me. It's about obeying the word as I follow Christ. Paul didn't say, gain knowledge about Jesus. He said, follow me. Live it out. The church in the United States, we're great at feeding information, but we struggle with facilitating consistent obedience to the Word of God. And when you look at Jesus, he consistently talked about pleasing God, 
not in terms of knowledge, but if you study the words of Jesus, he talked about pleasing God in terms of obedience. Look what he, in John 8, 29, Jesus said, I always do what pleases him. Would you, would you underline do? I always do what pleases him. Wow. What a great model for our lives. I always do what pleases him. That's what Jesus said about his relationship with God. John 14, 23 to 24, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Jesus didn't say, if anybody loves me, he's going to know my teaching. No. You'll obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with that person that has a heart to obey my word. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Wow. John 13, 16, Jesus said, you'll be blessed if you do this. This is where Jesus washed the disciples' feet and he said, now go and do thou likewise. And he said, you'll be blessed if you obey. Jesus warned about the great danger of hearing without obeying, and it's all throughout the Bible. <laughs> if Jesus, he, he, he dropped the boom on one group of people in the New Testament. Who were that group? The Pharisees. They were, we need to remember, the religious of the religious. They were the evangelical church back then, so to speak. I'm using that to just get our attention right now. Who? Jesus loved the sinners, the prostitutes and tax gatherers. And he loved those that were even Pharisees. But his harshest words were for those that were into religion. He said, you have, he said woe to you teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. A hypocrite is an actor, a pretender, a talker, a thinker, but not a doer. At the heart of what hypocrisy is, it's not doing the Word of God. It's listening, it's knowing, but it's not doing. Jesus said in Mark 7, 9, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. You set aside the commands, the Word of God, and you kind of hold on to your little traditions. Got all these traditions, I go to church, I get baptized, I take communion, I sing songs. And Jesus goes, what about my word? The teaching of my word. You have a fine way of setting that aside. Wow. Imagine you're a parent. Imagine that you have a teenage son. May the Lord bless you. And let's say that you're going to go away on a trip. You got a business trip, and you're like, ah, he's old enough. So you come and you go, son, I got a two-week trip. Everything is taken care of in the house. There's just one thing I need you to do. I need you to, I need you to mow the lawn, water the lawn, and then just a couple weeds show up, weed the lawn. That's all you need to do. Everything else taken care of. So you go away on your trip. You're praying for your son. That's the last thing you told him to do. 
And you come home, drive, come home into your house, and there the, the lawn is overgrown, there's weeds, it hasn't been watered. You're like, what happened? And you walk into the house and you say, son, what happened? And, and your son, he's all excited. He goes, dad, you won't believe it. I got, I went out and I bought the Flowers and Garden Victoria Classics magazine for a whole year. I read the whole thing cover to cover, dad. I even got the app on my cell phone. I enrolled in a seminar. I mean, like, the ultimate teacher that teaches this is coming to, like, he's coming to Castro Valley in two weeks, and I'm going to that seminar. And, it, I, I, Dad, you ought to see the pictures of these lawns in this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, and, and we do. We just go, how ridiculous is that? And yet, I, I, get, I get so many Christians, I'm so excited about this Bible study and that. And we should be. But if we're excited about only for knowledge and not living it out, we have fallen prey. We are deceived. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus warned again and again about the danger of, watch this, being addicted to hearing Growing in knowledge without obeying. There's nothing wrong with studying. I study every day. Bible studies, conferences, yes! But why do we go to them? For knowledge? To obey. You know, last Sunday, I had the privilege of just having a conversation with uh, a young man. And he came to me, and he just said, you know, Mark, he goes, I'm not ready for seminar uh, 301 quite yet. I'm still having to work on some areas in 201 to get ready for 301. I just shook his hand. I go, I am so honored that you would share that with me. Here's a guy that's saying, I need to obey this before I move on here. We always talk about in the seminars, it's not about information, it's about transformation. Your life catching up before you go on to the next one. I had so much admiration. There's a guy that gets what discipleship is all about. Let me give you one more scripture. And then I've got to tell you so many stories. I haven't even gotten to the best part of this whole thing. I don't have enough time. Where's my Bible? I can't even find my Bible. Turn to Matthew 5, if you would, here. I, I just The greatest sermon ever taught. Let's just look at scripture. Let me make one more point. And uh, Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching this amazing sermon. And he says there in verse uh, 18, he says, I tell you the truth, and Jesus always spoke the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not one smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, will by anyone disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. The person who's least in the kingdom of heaven is the person who breaks the commands, doesn't keep them. But then Jesus says this. You want to be, any, then he says, anyone who breaks, but then he says, whoever practices and teaches these commands would be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It's the one who practices the word of God that's considered great in God's kingdom. You live it out. And then at the very end of the sermon, it, it ends with, therefore... In verse 24, Matthew 7, 
everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The fool hears but he doesn't put it into practice. The wise person hears, and he puts it into practice. So I'm just asking you in your heart, have you been the fool or are you wise? Hmm. Jesus is saying, let the pattern of your life be hearing and obeying. I want to ask you a question here. It's in your notes. And this is a disciple question. It's a spiritual growth question. And here it is. When was the last time you obeyed something specifically revealed to you from God and His Word. When was the last time? Well, you think about this, that you specifically obeyed. You changed something in your life. You added something to your life. You responded to your wife or your husband differently because of what you heard. You made a goal to obey it. Now watch this. If you can't think of something specific that you've obeyed in the last week. Have you become just a Christian intellectual? Or are you a disciple? A disciple is someone who hears and obeys. They don't just think. It's just not all up here. I I want you to think about this in your life because I love you and I deeply care for you. And I do not want you... (laughs) To fall, I don't know, somehow into the United States church that just gives knowledge without obedience. Three ways to become an obedience-based disciple in the United States. I want to give you those thoughts. And this I could spend an hour on preaching right now. But I just want to give you these thoughts to think about. Number one, make it your goal to obey One principle from every sermon. One principle from every sermon. You hear a sermon, this is something you have to do for yourself. Yes, we help you. Home Builders is great because we usually break out, we talk in tables and help you make application. I took you through a series for eight weeks where I forced you to come up with an obedient statement. I'm trying to give you a model of how You are to experience church every single Sunday, every sermon you hear. There's got to be something that clicks in you. Okay, what can I obey and take into my life? Paul said this one thing I do. So you have to discipline yourself to establish this in your own life as Jesus' disciple. It's something you must do. It's something I have done for years. Number two. Make it your goal to obey one principle from your quiet time. When you read the Bible, one thing to obey that you look at when you look at Scripture, like Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You follow Jesus, he transforms you. One of the things I do is I read two chapters in the Old Testament every day and two chapters in the New Testament every day. In the New Testament, I always read one chapter in the Gospels because my mentor, Jake Bielig, previous senior pastor, challenged me 
Mark, follow Jesus around. I said, what do you mean by that? How do I follow Jesus around? He said, he's in the Gospels. So for my life, I always read a chapter in the Gospels and I always say, what is one thing I can obey, Jesus? How can I follow you? What did you do? Let me do it this day. And I work on that thing that day. In the life of, I want to be like Jesus. See, for me, this is how I obey and not just know. And you have to know. I read, I study like crazy. I have to counter that with a very intentional manner of obedience. Otherwise, I can just become knowledge. And it's not about just knowledge. It's about obeying. It's a discipline I brought into my own life. I'm still working on it, but that's for me. Number three, make it your goal to help one person obey what you have learned or are learning to obey. Jesus had 12. He's Jesus. I'm challenging you to start off with one. We're called as disciples to help someone else know how to obey God. And that takes time. It takes a one-on-one relationship. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So let me end my time here, which I don't want to end. I want to just tell stories right now, and I'm going to get as many in as I can. So I had a young lady come to me several months ago, and she said, Pastor, can I have a meeting with you? I said, sure. I'll meet with anyone one time. With, with ladies, I just need to be, I'm very cautious. With gals, I don't meet with many gals. I will set them up with other women to disciple them. That's what the Bible teaches. But there's times I meet with gals. Um, and so she came in and just poured out her heart to me. And I, I actually uh, had history with her family. I did her father's funeral. And uh, so she began to tell me about her life. And I'm just like, this is incredible what God's doing in you. And then she said, Pastor, would you consider meeting with me on an ongoing basis? And usually I say no. I'm busy. i got a lot of stuff going on. She's a gal. I said, for this, I prayed about it right. I said, I sense God saying yes. I said, I'll meet with you under one condition. That if we meet, you will do everything I ask you to do according to God's word. If you can do that, I will meet with you as long as you can handle it. She shook, we shook hands. So we've been meeting for several months. I need to share with you, what God is doing in her life is unbelievable. So taught her how to read the Bible and have a quiet time and pray and come to church and to find healing with her family. Her brother who's abused her, she wrote a letter to him of forgiveness And the brother wrote her back saying it's the greatest letter he has ever received in his entire life. God is using her and her her life is absolutely being completely transformed. I want to share with you this. Not because of what she knows, but because of what she is doing with what she knows. It's not about what's up here. It's about are you living out what's up here? That's what changes and transforms your life. If you are married, you have a distinct advantage because you can obey God with your spouse. If you're not married, married, you have an advantage because the Bible says those who are married have a lot of troubles. But you can find a friend and you can do life together with that friend and it's awesome. Tracy and I, uh, 
you know, uh, or a lot of you know, I mean, we read the Bible and pray together every day. Why? The Bible tells us to do that. As a married couple, it's just so fundamental. And, it, and when you obey God doing that, the blessings and the transformation, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And if you're a husband and wife here, I just, I want to encourage you to do that. So, but, but that's not all the Bible teaches you should do together. So about a year ago, we, we, we really sense, well, we need to fast. Fasting's biblical. So for about a year ago, we take one day a week and we pray the Bible and we, we read Scripture and we pray, but we also fast a day a week. And I can tell you, the transformation that's happened and the power of God in prayer and what God is doing all around us is just gone to such a different level. It's not about what we know, it's about what we are doing with what we know. And some of you, I just, I see it in your eyes, and a light bulb is going off right now. And I hope this is just like salting you, and it's giving you so much excitement about obeying God, actually doing something, stepping out in faith, doing something you've never done before, and seeing God just show up and grow you, and change you, and change your world also. Some of you know my heart for the world. I know you know that. Uh, you may not know my heart for North Korea. There's something about the country of North Korea that I do not know how to explain. It's deeper in my heart than any country on the planet. I do not understand that. God has given me that burden for 20 years. I pray for North Korea constantly. One day I want to do a talk. I've read so many books on North Korea. I know so much about it, and I want to share a talk on North Korea at some point and expose you to that, or maybe our church. I don't know when that will happen. But I had the opportunity yesterday uh, to literally be with North Korean defectors. And I spent time with these brothers and sisters that I had to get on an airplane, it cost me money to spend time with those that have been through the most wicked regime on the planet right now. A young man that I held, his father literally, literally was starved to death in North Korea, died before his very eyes, his mom had to sell his sister into prostitution just so that he would live. His mom was taken to prison. He doesn't even know she's alive. This young barely escaped with his life. It, hey, I could read all the books I want. And I've read a lot. But it's not until you go and you do. And you actually are with someone from North Korea. And you see them and you hear their story and you spend time with them. That your life is transformed and you become Jesus' disciple. Some of you have heard about going on a missions trip forever. Why have you not gone? Because you've been taught it's just all about knowledge and that's good enough. It's not good enough. That's not, that's not even Christianity. It's maybe American Christianity. Discipleship is following Jesus Christ. Some of you hear about going to Israel. Yes, there's a cost. But guess what? Everything costs. 
you going to come to the end of your life and not having gone to Israel with your own ministry and pastor that is willing to lead you there and see your life absolutely transformed as you walk the very steps of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul? Not all of you can do that. This is not like putting guilt on you. But watch this. Some of you can do it and you're pushing it away. You must drop the guard and you must say, I will not push away Jesus. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, whatever the cost. That's what, it, that's what discipleship's about. That's what Christianity is about. I want to experience more of this. I want you to experience more of this. That's all. And I, I attempted to take you on a journey for eight weeks, of which our ministry diminished by 30%. Because some of us didn't like coming in and not hearing Mark preach and giving you knowledge. You thought it's a waste of time to listen to other people talk. You want to hear Mark, the paid professional, give you more knowledge. And I tried to strip that away. Because I want you to understand one thing. Yes, I'm going to continue to preach and teach, and I'm doing it this morning. So, hey, I love you. But I need to let you know, as a pastor, I was really discouraged. I was like, Lord, are they just coming to hear me? Are we coming to obey the word of God? And all across Africa, people are coming to obey the word of God, go out and live it out, and the church is exploding. And I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to deal with this, of what's going on in our country, what's happening in our churches. When Jesus calls us as pastors and all of us to make disciples, and I don't know, is that happening? Lord, let us, let it happen. Help me to be a pastor that carries out your great commission. I need your prayer. Our church needs your prayer. I think we all need prayer. Amen? And I, I, I do hope, yeah, thank you, Lord. I do hope that I'm not coming across in any way mean, or I just said, Lord, I've really, I just, I love Jesus. I, I think you know that I love you. I'm growing. And I just, I just want to be the Lord's disciple, his follower. Well, I know we're out of time, right? <laughs> Where's my cell phone? What time is it? Ah, let's pray. Lord, thank you for a Sunday to just kind of pour out. I thank you for this dear group of people. I love them. And we're learning as we go along. And Father, I pray nothing has been said here that in any way is... I don't know, mean-spirited. That's not at all. I'm just trying to be loving and yet speak the truth, God. I pray it's come through. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, make that application to each person's heart. Lord, let us be Christian disciples who obey God's word and teach others to obey. And that's a life-changing truth if we obey it. Would you just, again, I want to honor you. Would you talk to God about whatever he's been talking to you about today, and then we'll wrap it up in prayer. Thank you, God, for hearing us. We love you for your grace.
for how you teach us, how you grow us. Pray you'd send us from here with a new understanding of discipleship. And we'd live in that for the rest of our lives. And all God's people said...